Welcome to Every Business Counts, the podcast which shows how money and numbers can support you to build a sustainable business. My name is Lynn Mann and I'm an accountant and a coach with over 20 years experience. In each episode, I will be exploring how money and your business numbers can help amplify the impact you want to make by focusing on purpose and profit. Because every business counts. Hello and welcome to another episode of Every Business Counts. My name is Lynn Mann and today I have with me Masami Sato. Masami is the insightful and inspiring founder of B1G1, a movement which helps business owners build giving into what they do every day. This has allowed thousands of businesses to make over 208 million impacts in the world. I've had the pleasure to see Masami twice at B1G1X conferences in the UK, and she has an amazing way of being able to present things in a different perspective and make you think. So I'm looking forward to our conversation today, Masami. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lynn, um, for having me. Great to be here as well. Thank you. So what inspired you to want to make a positive impact in the world? Well, <laughs> right, um, let me think. So I think, uh, well, inspiration. So when I was growing up, I was this child, you know, even though I was quiet, I always questioned things. So I used to think, like, what was the meaning of all this? Like, why am I here? And what I, was I supposed to do um, here? And so I questioned that, but I didn't know. And so, um, when, when I was younger, I had the opportunity to travel around the world as a young Japanese backpacker. And then, um, during those years, I managed to visit many different parts of, different parts of the world. So, um, there are times I was living in, uh, more like Western countries and living and working with people, or there were times where I was backpacking and traveling, uh, in, you know, so-called developing countries as well. So through those times, I did really question a lot about what was going on. And, uh, I realized that even though, um, I came from a middle class Japanese family, um, and, uh, we were not well to do as a family when I was young, but still we had food on the table and, um, you know, I, I did not really struggle, uh, with money or such. But then, um, I saw my parents always working really hard and stressed and not, you know, feeling really happy. And so that was kind of my youth, uh, period. But then when I started to travel and really seeing how like there are other parts of the world where people had very little and, um, but then at the same time, they were very, uh, open and kind and even giving. So, mm-hmm. you know, people invited me to come and then stay with them or, uh, come and eat with them. And I used to think like, Oh my gosh, you had so little. And how could I take your food? Um, and so during that time, seeing that, you know, there were kids who lived on the street and they weren't even going to school or they couldn't even if they wanted, or there were people with a physical disability, but then they weren't actually receiving much of a support from the local community or government. And so I really um, couldn't make sense of all this. So that's probably the kind of initial inspiration behind why I started to think about things like how, you know, we could uh, perhaps look at ways to make more positive impact in the world uh, as we live our own lives. 
So that's probably the answer to your question. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that because what it is, is you, your own, um, awareness of while you, you had, um, you didn't have, um, excessive amounts growing up, you had what you needed, but you saw mm. the, um, what your parents had to do for that. And then your traveling really kind of seemed to open you up to different cultures, the what and what other um, people had and didn't have. But the fact that, you know, what I'd love, really love is the fact that people who didn't have what you would say didn't have anything actually were hugely given and mm. were, sounds like from that, were also very happy in the, the way they, they lived. But at the same time, it led you to, to want to, to give back which is mm. is amazing. I love that. I actually, I went to um, Romania just after I finished um, college and it was just after the fall of Ceausescu. And right. um, I was living, uh, we were, I worked in an orphanage for um, four weeks. And again, it really opened up my eyes. The, the orphanage was very, it was full of children who had, were severely disabled or who had been abandoned and just seeing how different people had treated these children and that these children had nothing but were just looking for love and attention it was mm-hmm. again that had an amazing impact and I think what you've highlighted is um how uh, how traveling and seeing other cultures and other people's experiences can really influence ourselves mm-hmm. yeah that's right. Okay, so I just want to quickly read something out to you. So, what if every time business was done, something great happened in our world? What if we could build a system and a movement to let business owners put doing great things right at the heart of their businesses? Now, I believe those were your words to Paul Dunn <laughs> when you were starting to get the concept of B1G1. I, but I'd love to know, kind of, so taking from the experiences you had traveling and it started to plant that seed mm-hmm. that there was something better you could do. How did you then come up with the idea for B1G1? Mm. So initially, um, when I uh, started to see the problems in the world, my initial thought as a young person <laughs> was that I thought that that those problems that we had in our societies, you know, like whether it is environmental issues or poverty issues in the world, were, I thought they were created by businesses and consumerism. So at that time, um, uh, my simplistic view was that if I didn't have to buy into consumerism and didn't have to buy things, then I could perhaps create less harm in the world. So. Um, uh, there was a time I decided to move to countryside in Japan, and then I lived um, with local farmers for two years and working with them and learning about the simple way of living um, and trying to learn how to be more self-sufficient uh, you know, in a way. So as a result of having the very simple community living, and living close to nature and learning about how to effectively part of the nature so that we can continuously have abundance uh, in, in a form of harvest each year. Um, 
I realized in the end that I was actually wrong. I was actually wrong to believe that I could be self-sufficient, you know, ever. <laughs> and, 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 and I still, in the simple rural living, I still enjoyed to have things in my life, or I had to still have tools to grow food, or sometimes I, um, drove, or, you know, or, so those things happened and I started to really realize that actually, exchanging and um you know doing business with other people uh, never had to be uh, such a guilt causing you know idea <laughs> that we actually wanted to make things better for each other and as a result we created trade and commerce and you know that's a fundamental important part of this world and the society so when i let go of the judgment of uh, thinking that the businesses were the source of evils, I realized that maybe there are more to this that I could actually learn. And then, um, one thing I learned during that time that really like impacted me in, in a positive way was that actually the, um, mechanism of creating abundance was actually much simpler in the um, countryside because it was really about taking care of the soil or taking care of the um, environment and people around you and the community. And when you are living in the natural cycle of uh, nature and the world, creating the abundance year after year was much easier, you know, than exploiting things. Right? Yeah. Like So I thought, wow, there's such a simple concept and ideas of creating abundance. But then I looked back and imagined my parents, you know, saw my parents like working so hard, but then then for them, like creating abundance seemed to be very challenging thing to do. So I thought, why is it that the business and also, you know, like work became uh, such a struggle? <laughs> like we always had to feel like we had to get more <laughs> and yeah. always people felt that they didn't have enough or they had to try to get more than others. Otherwise, they going to have an insecurity or something. So I thought, wow, like there could be some form of a simple thing that like, you know, we could really learn from uh, this natural living. And then um, if we just have that essence of that learning, maybe we can live and 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 be part of the world in a better way. So I left um, at that time and then I started to travel again. And then eventually um, I settled in New Zealand and I became uh, my mom for the first time. So I had my daughter one day <laughs> in my arm and the feeling, uh, you know, so moved and the feeling so connected with this new life that uh, I was the only person in the world to really protect, you know, her. And yeah. so in the in feeling of deep sense of connection and love, um, suddenly I started to think and see the faces of other children that I met when I was traveling and backpacking. Because at that time, these kids were kids that I saw on the street and I didn't know how to help them or do anything for them. But when I had my own child, I finally, uh, it's, it's really dawned on me that if like something happened to her, I would do anything to protect her and try to, you know, um, give her anything that I could give. But then, there were lots of other kids who didn't have a parent or uh, somebody who could protect them. And so um, when I realized that was happening, and um, then at that time I decided to do something about my life, even though it probably wasn't the right time um, for 
you know, new mom to start a business, but I decided to start my first business. So, um, so that kind of took me like from the initial idea into like doing a business and then through the, um, um, running my own business. And at that time it was a food company I was running. And for five years, I uh, worked really hard with you know, young kids with me and uh, tried to grow this business and uh, always thinking that one day when this business becomes successful, I wanted to give all the profit and uh, help build a soup kitchen, uh, uh, help feed and educate the street kids. So that was kind of my ambition and uh, my goal. And so that idea and working really hard. And then five years after I started my business, um, one day there was this uh, huge realization for me that uh, even though I worked for five years really hard, but then I was always telling myself that I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to do anything great just yet because, you know, we still have to put the money into buying new packaging or building new freezer room or so. When I kept myself, it was, I wasn't ready. <laughs> then I was not doing anything. <laughs> so, um, that was the time I imagined what if, what if it wasn't about waiting until I became very successful to do something, but what if it was just as simple as doing small that I could do every day. And so, um, that was the time we came up with the idea of buy one, give one. Um, which me- meant for our food company that every time we sold a packet of frozen meal that we were selling to um, other retail stores, then we would give just one meal to a child. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, that kind of really shifted my thinking and experience about my business <laughs> because ne- then giving was no longer about something we wanted to do in the future, but the giving became something that we actually did on a day-to-day basis and made it happen. <laughs> so that was really the initial uh, uh, you know, uh, source of the B1, G1, buy one, give one idea. And then um, that was in 2006 when we first came up with the idea. So in 2007, uh, I decided to sell my food company, uh, which was then in Australia. And then we moved to Singapore and uh, established and worked on building this initiative, Global Giving Initiative, B121. So um, <laughs> that's what happened. That's a beautiful story because actually when you were talking about, you know, you think, the fact when you had your your daughter and you know it's that pure unconditional love that you were feeling and that awareness that other you know you would do anything to protect her but then other children you'd seen didn't have that you know they were living on the streets they didn't have that protection and just thinking then you know that that quite actually made me feel quite emotional just thinking about it um because i i have two children and so I know what you mean but it is that mm. actually we're very fortunate um, but then going through the other thing that jumped out kind of quite at the beginning was really when you were talking then as well about kind of the emotions and guilt and feeling guilty you know it's amazing how that emotion really undermines um, a lot of what we mm. do or don't do and then your realization that actually, how could you build giving in? Because it was always going to be right when I get here, when I do this. 
And I, it's interesting because when I, um, it's one of the reasons I love B1G1 because it allows me to, to give now. It doesn't matter what size my business is. Mm-hmm. And I've seen other people and I, I know I've, I've been there myself before. Um, I'd met, I'd heard of B1G1 in that it is. As you say, when I get to a certain level, I will do this for charity. Mm. Whereas what you've done is create something so simple to help her, help business owners and help people that can benefit from the support, the impact. Mm. So yeah, lovely. So what you've really talked about is kind of, um, coming up with the idea but why is it important you, you started by indicating you know, when you had your daughter you could see that there was children that had the need looking at where we're at now in kind of 2020 and where humanity is mm. at why is it important that we really do start to make a positive impact in our planet mm. and um, also like because charitable giving idea is not new you know, uh, when there are uh, problems, then there are always charities working on solving a particular problem. So um, people may be already, you know, very used to um, giving or tithing or donating. Um, so the idea has been there. And then um, also the question is, why do we also, you know, think about giving globally as well? Like, why not donate to a local charity or um, uh, why not go and just volunteer, you know, with a charity that I know of. Or, so there, there are lots of ideas um, related to this. And then mm-hmm. I think um, any form of giving, when the intention is that desire, you know, genuine desire that we have to help each other, then I think all form of giving could be very, very beneficial because it's not only that it's contributed toward solving a particular challenge, but it actually helps create that giving spirit in our communities and in our world. So giving has many benefits. And the question around the global giving um, is this, because um, I realized that quite often we feel like, because, for example, I'm Japanese, I might have a stronger sense of connection with Japanese culture or people, or because today I live in Singapore, so I might care about the issues in Singapore more. But the thing is, um, today, when we are living our life and running our business, actually, what we are doing um, every day is supported by this interconnected web of global trade. And so everything we touch in a day or food we eat or equipment use, use or even you know where the energy is coming from, all sort of things um, that we experience and that benefit our lives, like those things are coming to us because of the effort and contributions made by people and sacrifices quite often made by people around the world. So um, even though uh, uh, you know we don't see these people in our lives, but if we could kind of imagine that everything that we do um, in our life and in our business, if those things can actually create 
also additional positive impact and benefit to somebody else. And we, we feel happy and fulfill, more fulfilled and connected uh, by doing so. Then I think there is no end to that sense of creativity and the power. Uh, that businesses have have to transform this world because you know if we uh, had uh, one way of giving and that was only right way to give then quite often that does not create the real long term change even though some some of us may believe that education is the most important or others might care about people getting basic things like access to clean water you know, but the, it's not the one thing or the other actually because all those things coming together can create the more holistic change so if we try to do it with our own direct uh, desire to donate the money once off, then we can't change this. But if we really look at how many businesses are out there, what kind of industries are out there, you know, how people start businesses actually, like millions of businesses, you know, what happened to these business owners? What made them start this business? Not that one. And yeah. so actually we are uniquely so different. We have different ideas. We see different issues. So that's why businesses are everywhere doing what they do. And there are so many of them and so many varieties. So if we could inspire every business around the world to actually make their business activities more, you know, caring or uh, giving and creating positive impact in every way, then Without us really worrying about one particular program and trying to fix it, we could together actually create many important change because there are lots of charity organizations out there doing really important work, but they are really struggling to continuously try to attract funds. And they may be, yeah, spending a lot of time and effort and money, uh, trying to raise money. So what about the businesses to create the giving habit so that, uh, it, we don't need to even, uh, consciously do it because it's just becomes part of the design. So if we could do that, then, uh, there is no lack of power for our world to solve these, um, dynamic and complex and, you know, interconnected issues in the world together. So that's, that kind of um, idea of uh, using businesses and driving businesses to create the change we want to see in the world. And I love the imagery you, you kind of bring up when you're talking about that because it is, as you say, it's that interconnected web and we are so connected these days. And if we look at each business, actually, they... They don't work in isolation. They really have this long supply chain and it's impacting um, many different people. But at the same time, what you're saying is actually it's about them. Everybody has their own um, their own desire to do something, mm-hmm. and it's very personal, and they don't have their own values. But by actually embedding giving in many different um, challenges can be met because everybody is going to be doing is going to be contributing towards something different it's not that it's it's all just going into one place mm. and solving one problem it looks at solving a great many different things mm. Um, mm. yeah so it's interesting then what's the because you know you talked about the the spirit of giving within the community. Going back to the business, and yes, the business is, is a, a form of the community. What are the other benefits that businesses mm. get from building giving 
into um, everything they do. Mm. And I actually like uh, benefit of giving is very, very, very simple. Because um, if you imagine, um, let's say every company have a, a culture, you know, or or even pattern or habit yeah. <laughs> that drives uh, them uh, create what they do and what they experience and the results they experience. So if we imagine uh, there are two types of way for businesses to experience success, and then one way is for the businesses to really have a strong um, desire to achieve or get something and then everybody in you know you make everybody in that business to work with the rigorousness of we need to get more sales we need to uh you know <laughs> make more money uh we need to reduce our cost cut the cost uh we need to make people work harder and not waste uh, every moment any moment <laughs> or, yeah. so the company could have this and then become very sophisticated in uh, making things happen so the Recent years focus around the maximization of profit in the, you know, corporate business practice. Um, and then all the MBAs learn about, you know, how to maximize the profit. So when we have this, then what tends to happen is you will create the dynamic of getting culture in your business. So what, what then eventually happen is with that, you tend to attract the people who just want to get something from you as well, you know, uh, and then uh, the moment you cannot offer uh, the same uh, competitive salary to the talented people or the moment the bonus is not big enough or the moment you don't provide enough holiday or people might leave because they can find other places where they can get more. Yeah. <laughs> right? So that that is the kind of downside of getting culture. But then if you look at um, more lasting business model, um, so in Japan, um, companies that are 100 years or you know, more than 200 years old. So the number of those businesses in Japan uh, uh, consists of more than 50% of uh, number of businesses, longevity businesses that exist like more than 200 years. So, you know, Japan is a small country, but so many long lasting businesses exist in Japan. And then why is it that it's possible? Then what happened is when we look deeper into that, then you realize those long lasting businesses are uh, almost all family businesses and family businesses operate in a different cycle because the family businesses are always thinking long term, you know, because if they implement something that is cutting cost and short term gain for you, you realize that might compromise your reputation in the community or uh, you might gain, you know, maximum profit this year, but next year it might not be there anymore. So. They tend to think long term and they, because it's family business, the fundamental is really to take care of the people in the family as well. And as a part of it, you would take care of the community as well. So, um, when any business establishes the giving cycle and the giving spirit, then even if they cannot pay the best, you know, offer the best salary, you know, compensation package, or even if people have to travel longer hours to get to the work, or even if there are all the downsides uh, that you offer <laughs> in your business, you could attract people who want to give. 
you know, because you are committed to make sure you give to the people in your company. Uh, also, to you are committed to serve the customer rather than how to exploit the customers more so that you get more money. <laughs> so the overall thinking of the company dynamics becomes that the people in the business always also think about the service, always think about adding greater value, always think, think about being creative to maximize the value of what they are offering. And then always also think about benefiting each other in the, in the team and also within the organization. Um, so with that, people would more likely to stay because it's, you know, more nourishing, happier environment <laughs> and you would like each other to work with. Um, and then, uh, as a result, um, in the longer run, maybe not in the shortest time frame, but you would more likely experience a holistic, sustainable success and results. So um, in that sense, it's quite simple for business owners to think like, okay, if I have a choice, would I want to create a getting culture or giving culture? Mm-hmm. And then giving, like monetary giving, will be a part of it because if, you know, you are always setting the company goal based on the um, profit KPI, profitability KPI, or if you are actually setting and the team members are coming together to set the goal that actually creates a positive impact in the world and everybody feel inspired by that. And then actually that giving might happen as a result of service, as a result of actually, you know, selling more products and services too, or it could be even lots of other things can be turned into giving, like instead of giving, um, uh, uh, flashy, fancy present for the team member's birthday. What if you offered them to give a gift of giving? And then if they, instead of receiving something that they might not necessarily want and throw away later, if they realize that your company actually allows you to make an impact on the lives of people in the way you want to, then would, could that be a more meaningful gift? And so, that like idea of you know, monetary giving, just uh, you know, being an integral part and of what culture that businesses want to create, then actually the benefits uh, of the giving <laughs> that we do in our business is uh, tremendous and very significant, like uh, uh, as well. That is, and for me, it's really interesting going back to you know what you're talking about with the, the Japanese um, companies and. You know, the, the fact that the, you know, the number of these companies are over 200 years old because, you know, most companies, if you look around the world, are not of that age. Um, mm. but what I love is the, um, it's the, the long, t- it's about the longevity, mm. the long term yeah. decisions. And, and I think that's one of the things, you know, I trained as an accountant. And one of the things I find, um, difficult was that, because I worked within business, it was mm. always the short-term decision-making. Mm. And as you say, having to cut costs, and generally when the costs were cut, it was always things that impacted the people, that, the employees that worked mm. there. And then as you say, that you don't have loyalty, it creates a very different um, culture within the organisation. Whereas the picture you're painting is actually, it's when it's a giving culture, it's not just about giving to to say to charities or mm. in that way of making an impact, it's actually embedding it 
in a way that it's taking care of every element within mm. the business. It's giving to the employees, the employees giving back to the company. It's giving to the customers and, and having that kind of deeper relationship almost as a result of this. Mm. Um, so it flows through. And that's, um, that's a really beautiful environment to create for people to work within rather than the almost the insecurity and the short-termism of purely being driven by profit. So mm. thank you for sharing that. It <laughs> really gets me thinking. Mm. And actually, the interesting thing is, um, even though this idea is... Um, might not be as tangible, you know, like when we really logically try to analyze, but it's actually right there because people are feeling it. So yeah. people who are living in a getting cycle are feeling that um, lack of security or a lack of connection or a lack of trust in their life. And so um, the people who are more naturally like rewarded, you know, uh, or feeling and looking rewarded, um, those people are those like who actually are naturally creating that giving cycle around them so that they are attracting people around them who also want to care for them and love them and appreciate them. And it's not because they try to get those things, but because they are actually being that. They are embracing that joy of giving. And when we do so, then, you know, those things we might really aggressively fight for, you know, I want to be loved or I need to find like better, more respected position and, or, you know, like, so those things actually naturally come to us. So it's kind of win-win, like easy to, you know, get to the ultimate yeah. outcome strategy. <laughs> and that's it. It's, it's, it really is what you're saying is, it's about embodying it within mm -hmm. you. And once you're embodying it, then it changes the way, almost it changes the way you interact and you look at the world, but it also changes the way people interact and look at you as well. Mm -hmm. And it creates that, as you say, it moves, it's, it's the focus is, is on that win-win rather than mm -hmm. actually what can I get mm -hmm. and you're going to lose as a result of it, um, mm -hmm. which is a, a much, um, more sustainable way for us to, to work because at the end of the day, we want to be working in that win-win situation mm. <laughs> because then it's about supporting everybody rather than who wins, who loses. Because somebody always does lose. Mm. So yeah, lovely. So going back to, to what you, you shared earlier, um, about the reason, one of the reasons you came up with the idea originally of buy one, give one in mm. your, when you were doing your own, when you worked in your company and producing food was so that you could do that now. And then you're talking as well then about these Japanese companies who been doing, creating almost like a giving culture for a long time. Mm. So from that, is there doesn't seem to be any limit of the size of organization that can build giving into them. It doesn't matter whether you're, what I'm seeing you share mm. is it doesn't matter whether you're that small solopreneur or whether you're a huge organization. Actually, mm. you can always start to create that giving culture 
within you, yes. if I understood that correctly. Mm, yeah. to- totally, because culture doesn't mean you have to have a big team to start thinking about the culture. <laughs> because you as a person, uh, you know, what you create, the feeling that you experience, the values that you stand for, that is the origin of culture. So when businesses grow, when the founder or the core team embraces that culture, they are more likely to succeed in attracting people who resonate with the culture. And as a result, the team building, nurturing, and growing, you know, growth uh, becomes uh, much easier. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so when we lose that you know, connection to our own sense of purpose or the belief uh, of our own values, or then you know, it's easy to attract people based on um, what skill people have. And then how much we can offer to pay. And then as a result of it, it's become just a transaction based relationship. So whilst you can pay, people will work for you, but you need to continuously like control them or, uh, <laughs> because you cannot, you know, necessarily trust each other when you are not coming together with that same set of values. So creation of a culture, even for a single, you know, owner business is a very important thing that we can do consciously. And then in terms of embedding giving, if you are not worried about the total amount of how much you would donate or something, then if giving, your giving can start from just one cent, then you actually can do that. And so in B1J1, like over the years, we uh, managed to connect with many different uh, amazing charity organizations around the world that are making a great, you know, positive impact. So then we, when we work with them, we don't just say we will raise you donations or funds, but we work with them to really identify their niche impact. And then we help them break down that impact based on the costing and their track record. And so then we might end up with a particular you know, micro impact, which could be um, you can give access to life-saving water to one person for one day for just one cent. Or you could plant a tree for $1.50 in this region. But if you um, plant a mango tree in this region for uh, $2.50, then you also can educate, help educate a child because the family will also have a sustainable income. Or uh, you could... Uh, you know, uh, give a sewing machine, access to a sewing machine to a woman so that they can uh, learn to sew and then create their own own income. Or uh, we could actually uh, send somebody to beaches and uh, collect rubbish, you know, plastic rubbish and then clean the beach. Or So we could do all sorts of things at such amazing low cost. You know, if we imagine us flying to another country to the beach cleanup, because there are uh, lots of issues, you know, in the ma- marine ecosystem or something. We ourselves might create more harm by flying, <laughs> but then we could actually fund this for just a few dollars. And um, so if that's the case, every small business can already start doing this, even from day one of starting a business. And as a part of it, perhaps like every day, when you achieve just one simple thing, because you don't need to sell something to give, you could be just giving based on the number of meetings you have. (laughs) And then at the end of a Zoom call, (laughs) if you are able to say to the other person that, wow, I really enjoyed having this conversation with you. And as a result, I'm planting a tree and to to, remember this uh, special conversation. And so you can turn every success or a little wind in the business into giving activities and then track that. So um, over the last decade, we have worked with 
uh, many thousands of businesses. Um, and uh, those businesses today created more than 200 million giving impacts. And majority of those businesses that we have so far worked are small or tiny businesses. Um, and I really believe that uh, this is not necessarily just about small businesses. Big businesses, you know, should and can do this too. Um, but the part I really love about small businesses is that uh, actually small businesses can make decisions, um, based on the belief of the owner. Yeah. <laughs> and where large companies, even though they might want to do good, but quite often their decisions need to go through many layers of meetings and decision making and the shareholders ideas and so on. So, um, it may not be as easy to make very human, uh, heart centered decisions in larger organizations. So that's why like corporate, um, giving might sometimes be regarded as corporate social responsibility, you know, something that they should do to maintain shareholders, um, expectations and so that you don't damage the reputation of in your business so it's pretty much like a very strategic um uh, uh, you know idea and but the thing is like um if we actually like made it more human <laughs> you know giving is something we do because we can and we want to and we our our companies workforce want they care you know they want to be part of doing good in the world as well and then the job, if the job gives them the ability to nurture and care for their own family members, then that's a win-win for them. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really simple, you know, so that's why I would love every small business with a sense of um, purpose to come together to do something like this and understand that we don't need to be big or we don't need to first become very successful to start making an impact. You know, we really can do something if we are not worried about size <laughs> and we yeah. can do this continuously. <laughs> it's so true. And going back to what you said there about actually people, as, as humans, we're caring, we want to care. Mm-hmm. And it, it is that thing that we have to, to go back to, to rather than coming into a bit, our business and changing who we are, but mm-hmm. actually embracing that and bringing it mm-hmm. into the business. So I've just got one very last question for you. What experiences have you had or stories you learned as a child that have influenced how you look at money? <laughs> well, um, as a little child, like I think since I was maybe like three or four years old, I always, um, throughout my childhood, I always worked, um, in my grandparents' shop. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, my grandparents had a little shop in Tokyo and that was a family business and that was just ordinary, like a general store, you know, selling uh, some sweets or uh, bread or, uh, you know, those kind of things to the local community. And so, um, because my parents were very busy working individuals, so throughout all the school holidays, me and my sister would usually go to my grandparents' house and we stay there the entire school holiday. And every single day we wake up and we help the business, um, you know, clean the floor, serve the customer, fill the vending machine. So, you know, I, I was counting, counting money and yeah. <laughs> everything. So, um, being in that environment, I learned about money, um, from the business point of view. 
And then also, I learned that the money、um, wasn't always such a focus, but it was actually something that came with our service. You know, you provide a service, and the money is something that we exchange with with our service. So it's not something that kind of just come to you, but we should always careful and then be respectful and also appreciate our customers. And so that was kind of simple part of money. And then not necessarily like I learned that、uh, there are this way of secret of making money faster, or you know, because it was more of the everyday discipline and diligence that they, my grandparents, were earning from. But when I、um, grew up and then started to question like why we were doing what we were doing and why people who had lots of money didn't always seem happy and fulfilled, where. You know, some cases people who had very less and little could also be smiling. And then, so that kind of money ideas of、uh, my my initial belief of we should save and we should have more and we should hold on to more. And that, like, I think is still a you know good thing to do than being really wasteful. <laughs> and but still, I realized that money is not everything. <laughs> you know, money having more doesn't give you the joy. But if you have more money and more financial resources, then we can do good things in business as well. So we do need to create more financial wealth. But financial wealth is not the ultimate objective. The objective is service. Objective is the fulfillment. And then, as a result of maximizing that service and fulfillment, we focus on creating money so that we can do more of what we aspire to do. So that. I think is something that、um, is just a very simple idea, you know. Like it's just, it's a simple idea, but it's such an important thing that we could remember. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because it it really sums up、um, what we've been talking about is that it is about bringing caring and giving into everything we do. So what you share, what you learned in your Grandparents' shop was actually about caring for the people that came、mm-hmm. in, the customers, and everything else. So, so it it kind of really beautifully links together your message that has come through the whole conversation. So, <laughs> thank you for sharing that story. I appreciate. Oh, thank、it. you.、Um, <laughs> so, thank you, Masami, for for coming on and、um, talking to me today. Um, and I just want to add before we finish that if if anybody would like to learn more about B1G1、mm-hmm. and how you can go to the movement,、uh, how you can join the movement, I should say, um, you can go to b1g1.com and you'll be、yes. able to learn more about it there. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do find out more. And then also, like, if you are a business、uh, person looking for ways to make a great impact, and if you wanted to know more about how your business can do so, then you can always reach out to our team. And then、um, we love to connect and hear,、uh, you know, from many more business people and their desire to make a great impact in the world. So please do connect with us. Wonderful, thank you. Well, thank you for a very inspiring and insightful conversation, Masami. And、um, I look forward to seeing you again at、um, future B1G1.、Um, <laughs> thank you so thank much, you. Lynn. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Business Counts. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, why not head over to our Facebook group, Every Business Counts, and share what you've enjoyed and your highlights. I look forward to sharing more with you next week. Bye for now.